Did you ever look at the handsome young high school quarterback and wonder what he would grow up to be? In this case, he became a country cop. Lost in the wilderness of trying to do good and still being hated, no matter how hard he worked. He's at a crossroads in his life. I wonder which path he'll choose. This is the Dark Inheritance Podcast, a serial about family, hate, and magic. Last time on Dark Inheritance. She recognized her grandfather's ancient wildflower field guide among the contents. Kate plucked it from the box and turned it over in her hands. It was bound in butter-soft green leather, and she ran her fingers over the well-loved cover, remembering all the times she'd flipped through its pages. She looked up at the other boxes that were scattered around the room. Why had her grandmother been packing away her things? Kate Dane had treasured her husband's field guide. It was only then, as Kate scrutinized the room, she realized she could see a slice of the backyard through the doorway that led into the pantry. The back door was open. Chapter 2. Tad. Tad took another sip of his coffee and eyed the scene in front of him. Run me through it again, Bobby, he said. Not because he didn't understand the first time, rather because he thought there was no way he could have heard it right. The older man rubbed his bushy ginger brown beard. We think it touched down here. He turned and waved his hand to the carnage behind them. Then there was an explosion, probably the propane tank behind the house, he said, pointing past the black crater. Tad set his coffee on the hood of his squad car and exchanged it for the five-page report he'd taken from the office. His arm ached, and he shifted it ever so slightly in the sling, trying to ease the pressure. So, just to clarify, you're saying a tornado wiped out the house. Bobby nodded defensively, a curt upward thrust of his chin. Yeah, that's our best guess. Then, Tad continued, the propane exploded. Bobby nodded along. It was like he couldn't hear how insane the theory sounded, even when Tad repeated it back to him. And then what, Tad asked? The tornado just up and disappeared? He couldn't censor the disbelief that colored his voice. Bobby frowned at him, and Tad got the impression that he'd managed to insult him. It ain't unheard of. His frown deepened. Why are we even doing this? Your dad already cleared it. Tad clenched his jaw. I just want to get things clear in my head. I wasn't on scene. Yeah, I heard about that. How's your arm? Tad hefted the sling by way of response. It's okay. Doc's got me on painkillers and antibiotics. Trucks totaled, though. Bobby clucked his tongue in sympathy. Tough luck, man. Tad nodded. So, about this theory, you gotta admit it's pretty damn implausible. He expected some kickback, brace for it even, but it never came. Bobby just shrugged. Maybe, but there's an eyewitness. That grabbed Tad's attention. Seriously? He flipped awkwardly through the report. That's not in here. He looked back up at Bobby. Who? Bobby pointed east to a house. From this distance, Tad could just make out the line of roof. Neighbors saw the whole thing. 
Okay, Tad said, setting the report on the hood and reaching for his pen. What's their name? Bobby shrugged apologetically. Don't know, kid. Not my job. Tad sighed and ran his hand over his face, feeling the stubble on his cheeks. He should have shaved that morning. All I know is she's the one who called it in. All right, I'll sort it out. Any word on Clint? When's he coming around today? Bobby shrugged again, this time less apologetically. Teddy Pelton's barn burnt down this morning over on Harper's Road. Once he's done over there, he'll head back this way. Tad nodded half to himself. That meant there would be a couple hours at least if Clint managed to get there at all that day. Thanks, Bobby. No problem. Need me anymore? I gotta head back to the office and pick up some forms for Clint. No, thanks for coming. Bobby nodded and headed for his truck. Then he paused and turned back to Tad. I suppose it goes without saying, but don't go down into the wreckage, he said. Those beams are unstable. Lyle's coming by tomorrow to lift him out with the crane. Till then, no one goes down there. Tad didn't think he'd be able to climb into the crater with his arm the way it was, but he smiled and waved his thanks anyways. He watched Bobby pull out of the drive before cautiously approaching the crater's edge. Carefully balancing on the loose stones that sat on the edge, he looked down into the hole. It was filled with debris and blackened beams. Half of a melted doll's face peered at him from the bottom of the wreckage. His mind went back to the report still in his hand. Haven and Abigail Dane, age three and five. Sourness bloomed in his stomach. It was one thing when it was just a fact written on paper, but it was a whole other ball game when the evidence was right in front of his face. He turned, his weight pushing some of the stones into the hole, and collected his things off the hood of the squad car. He eyed the house in the distance. In the end, it took him more time to get in and out of his car than it did to drive up the road to the neighboring house. Before he got out of the car, he double-checked the report. There was no mention of an eyewitness. It barely mentioned the 911 call at all. He could only guess why the witness's name was left off the report, but it was probably because his dad had either neglected to follow up the 911 call, or forgotten her name and was just covering it up. Either way, Tad fumed. It made him look like an asshole in front of the fire marshal's office. He picked up the radio. Hey, Carla? He waited a minute for her to respond. After 30 seconds or so, the line crackled to life. What's up, Dad? She asked, her smoker's voice deepened by the cheap hardware. My dad around? Just stepped out for lunch with Jeb. Need me to call him up? Her unspoken question hung in the air. Was Tad in over his head? He shook his head, even though she couldn't see him. No, I'll talk to him when I get back. He hesitated. Not sure if he should, then plunged ahead anyways. Hey, there's a... Some information missing from the report about the 911 call for the Dane fire. Do you know anything about that? He held his breath, waiting for her rejection. Wasn't on duty, kid, she said, her voice clipped. Yeah, he pressed, but didn't my dad say anything about it? The line was silent, and he wondered if he pushed her too far. Can't remember that he did, she eventually answered. Her voice was like an arctic wind he grimaced, alone in his car. He'd taken it too far. Okay, thanks, he said brightly, trying to back out of the corner he'd painted himself into. I was just wondering. I'm on my way to check on it now. I should be back in the office in an hour or so. Okay, she said, her voice distant and coldly professional. He sighed and signed off. He should put in for a transfer to another station. It was bad enough that his dad was chief, but those guys were already a functioning unit before he got there. 
When he was a kid, he was practically their mascot, but now that he was a real officer, they looked at him like he was the fucking enemy. He looked at the house with the dirty windshield. It reminded him of a larger version of his grandpa's cabin up at the lake, with a deep porch and a high-pitched sweeping roof. Only this roof was set with solar panels, and there were cherry tomatoes and hanging pots where his grandpa had wind chimes. The small handmade sign next to the door read, Calhoun. The woman who opened the door was well past middle-aged, but weren't well. Can I help you? she asked, pushing an unruly lock of curly hair out of her face. Afternoon, ma'am, he said, affecting his most wholesome good old boy charm. I'm Officer Shanna of the East Huntington Police Department. I want to talk to you about the incident next door. She gave him a critical once-over, and then peered beyond him at the squad car parked in the driveway. You got a badge? Yes, ma'am, he said, fishing it out of his pocket. She glanced at it with pursed lips. How come you're not in uniform? He motioned to the sling. I'm still on temporary medical leave. But since the office is short-staffed, I'm helping out where I can. What happened? Dear, he said simply. She nodded in understanding, then stepped aside and let him enter. The house was a veritable jungle filled with green things. What wasn't growing in pots was hanging dried from the wide beams that ran along the ceiling. It smelled like old incense, spicy and stale at the same time. The woman walked back to the island that separated the kitchen from the living space and picked up a big spoon. Well, she said, as she stirred the big pot that was simmering on the stove. It took you long enough. I thought I was going to have to go over there and take care of it by myself. Startled, he looked away from the plants. Not sure he'd heard her correctly. Come again? The woman eyed him. You're here about Rich and Anne's place, right? To his credit, he didn't consult the report in his pocket. Richard Dane, that's right. They tell me you're the one that called 911. She nodded, saw the whole thing. Want to tell me about it, he asked, pulling his notebook out of his breast pocket. She gave the pot a final stir and then set the spoon on the counter beside the stove. You want something to drink, she asked, pulling open a cupboard and pulling down a set of glasses. He shrugged before he remembered the action with hurt. Sure, he said, setting his notebook down at her coffee table and massaging his shoulder. She set a glass of iced tea in front of him and settled herself in one of the armchairs that flanked the table. He took his cues from her and sat on the couch. It was an old wicker piece that creaked under his weight and smelled like dead roses. She watched him with a sharp gaze. What do you know? He tilted his head and considered her question. Why don't we start with your name and what happened to make you call 911? I hope I'll you enjoy Tad as much stand. as I enjoy writing Tad. Tad is a character, he actually might be my favorite character out of the whole series. The character of Tad was originally inspired by the old CSI, like I'm talking the original CSI. Did I mention that this story was a long time in the making? I've been working on it for a very long time. Um, so anyways, I'm talking the old CSI, the very original one, original cast, like think back first season. Um, this was back when my parents were watching it. I was kind of looking at it over their shoulders while I was doing other things. And there was a character, and I've long since any actor names or character names, um, but there was a character, uh, a younger man, um, dark hair, kind of a buzz cut, flat top kind of deal going on. In any case, this character was very do-good. Uh, he seemed like he was always trying to do the right thing, but then at the same time, it always seemed like his charm could take him only so far, and he just kind of missed the mark a lot. And that was the original inspiration for Tad. 
Tad didn't start out being a main character in the storyline. He was actually a supporting character in the Kate storyline. I had gotten up to a, um, a third revision in, in Kate's story, and I remember looking at it and thinking that something was missing. Like, in, in the Kate storyline, once you cross the line onto Reese Hill, the story starts, which is why the story starts with her in her car, crossing over the creek into, Reese, into the Reese Hill Road. Um, but then once you're there, you're kind of trapped there. You can't, the story doesn't progress outside of that. So there was nothing on the outside explaining what was going on inside Reese Hill Road. So I decided to pull Tad out of that chap uh, out of that um, storyline and into his own, exploring what was going on from the outside, from an even from an outsider's perspective. Because Tad is not magical. He's just he's just a guy. He's just a good guy trying to do his job, and he just kind of gets sucked into this whole thing, and he doesn't know what the hell's going on. And I think one of the beautiful things about Tad's character is that he is such a good guy and through the majority of the story, he's never even going to question whether he should just back away because he's out of his depth. Until the point, he does question this and he is suddenly wondering what he's gotten himself into and maybe he should just leave because he's just a guy. What, could, could, what good could he do? In any case, thank you again for listening to episode two of Tad, and I look forward to talking to you in the next episode, episode three, Kate. Dark Inheritance was created by DMZ Barth. Theme music was created by Vierinen and Philip Mariani. Special effects were created by Tippa Sound, Zombie Unit, and Red Octopus. Special thanks to all the subscribers who make this podcast possible.